Let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. If I were to write a list of the things I most enjoy doing, waiting would be so far down the list that you would have to go to another time zone to see it. My wife can tell you how annoying I am when we have to be somewhere in an hour and it only takes 15 minutes to get there. I spend the next 40 minutes pacing around the house looking for something to do, desperate to be allowed to leave. Waiting is not fun. (laughs) Though begrudgingly, I admit that it is good for us. It is somewhat ironic, then, that my favorite liturgical season is Advent, the season we begin today. And it is my favorite season in part because of what I dislike so much, the waiting. Because the other side of waiting is anticipation, longing for a day to come or something to happen. Because Advent, you see, is a season of preparation, preparation for our Lord's first coming, while also waiting and anticipating with longing hearts for our Lord's second coming. And I love this season. But how do we deal with these 40 minutes? Or, in the case of Advent, how do we deal with these four Sundays leading up to Christmas season? Well, to help us walk through Advent, we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk. And all of you are saying, well, of course, that makes perfect sense. Habakkuk and Advent, they go together perfectly, don't they? Well, I'm so happy you agree. We are turning to this short book for a few reasons. One is that the minor prophets, those short books at the end of the Old Testament, of which Habakkuk is one, are wonderful books to read in seasons of waiting with anticipation. When you read them, you get this sense of longing for God, of of knowing that something is going to happen and looking forward with almost desperation to see it fulfilled. And the prophet Habakkuk is no different in that regard. His is a book that is filled with crying out, with a longing heart to see God work. The second reason we're going to look at Habakkuk is that it is also different than the other prophets. See, most prophecies begin with something like, thus says the Lord, or God saying, go and tell my people whatever he wants to tell In Habakkuk, though, we don't have that. We have a dialogue between the prophet and God. The book itself begins with prayer. Habakkuk is praying. He's he's crying out to God and lamenting the state of Judah, longing that the Lord would act. And we get to see this back and forth between the prophet and God. 
And throughout the book, we'll see that waiting doesn't have to be a passive thing. That we can actively interact with God as we wait, by speaking with Him, by praying. And we'll see in this book how how prayer shapes Habakkuk. His response over the, the three chapters begins to change as God reveals himself to Habakkuk. That's what happens when we pray. God molds us. He changes us over time, and so we wait actively. Not sitting on our hands, looking at the sky, hoping for something to happen, but praying to our Father who loves to speak with his children and to bless them extravagantly. What is it that we're waiting for this Advent? Personally and corporately, what are we waiting for? Have we cried out to God about whatever it is? In the big picture, I do long to see Christ return. I long to live in a world that is free of sickness and pain, to live in a place where the whole church is one and we worship Jesus together. Locally, in the immediate, I have made no secret of what I long for here. Two things, well, I long for many things, to be honest, but two things in particular, at least today. One, a curate to help build our children and student ministry, and the other, a building of our own. Those are the desires of my heart. And as much as I long to see the Lord move on these these three things, I have to confess that I don't always cry out as much as I should. But I look forward to taking this Advent, and however long is necessary after that, to do just that. Cry out to God. What are we waiting for? And have we spoken to our Father about it? That's a good question to be asking ourselves throughout this season. The season of waiting. Now, let's turn to our passage this morning. Let's take a closer look. What is it that Habakkuk is crying out about? What's the longing of his heart? Well, it's that the state of Judah has fallen into complete disarray. There is widespread abuse and injustice. The poor are being taken advantage of. And no one is following the law of God. No one is living as they should. And so Habakkuk is crying out to God, do something. How long, O Lord, will you wait to deal with the injustice that your people face? How long must your people suffer at the hands of the wicked? It's a prayer that's close to many people's hearts. Countless people have prayed the same sort of thing to God, longing that he might act to relieve sickness and suffering. And even outside of suffering and pain, many of us have prayed prayers that seem to be met with silence. For our friends and family that don't know Jesus, for for the Lord to grant us a spouse or children, or to provide for our needs. 
Habakkuk asks God why he has been silent. Why does he wait? It's a prayer that many of us have had. And what we want to notice here first is that God the Father does not rebuke Habakkuk for his prayer. He doesn't say, who are you to ask me a question? And what that tells us is that we can bring these questions to God. We can bring our longings and our laments and our requests to him over and over and over again. It is not unfaithful to pester God. And it is certainly not unfaithful to plead with him to act. And sometimes we, we think that if, if we're asking God for something, then we aren't really being faithful. That if we believed that God could act upon my prayer, that I would just pray it once and that'd be it, and I wouldn't bother him about it again. And I'd just trust that he's going to do it. But friends, coming to our God over and over again doesn't have to come from a heart of not believing he will act, but rather from knowing our need for God to act. That we have problems that are too big for us to solve, that that we need him. Habakkuk couldn't change the hearts of the unjust, just as we can't change the heart of an unbeliever. We can't change anyone's heart. Habakkuk couldn't protect all of the people all of the time, just like we can't solve every problem of the poor and the widow and the orphan. They are too big for us. They were too big for him, and so he needed God, and so do we. And so we can continue to come back to him, to ask him to move. And it might take a while. (laughs) From verse 1, we know that Habakkuk has been praying this prayer for a long time. How long shall I cry and you will not hear? The, The implication behind that is that he keeps coming back to God with this. Many of us know what that's like, don't we? Sometimes it takes a long time for God to answer our prayers, and sometimes the answer is not one that we want. But while it may be frustrating for us to wait, we can always keep coming back to God. Now we do want to note the request itself, because it, it is, it's important, it's really important. You will notice that when Habakkuk prays, he's praying for judgment to come upon his own people. The presenting problem of Habakkuk's time was not a foreign rival or an outside influence. It was the heart of the people of Judah, of God's chosen people. The injustice that was being suffered was at their own hands to one another. And that's actually true of the vast majority of the prophets that we read in Scripture. Very rarely are they looking beyond their own borders, beyond their world itself, and yelling at them. (laughs) Far more often, they are looking at the inside, concerned with what they see in their immediate, concerned about the state of God's people, and looking and seeing that most of the time they do not like what they see. 
Habakkuk is crying out to God with a longing heart that the Lord would deal with his people and correct them. Because the truth is, when the people of God don't live by the teaching of God, when they don't follow as the Lord leads, the work of God is hindered. What was given to be a light to the world is dimmed. What had been set apart by God to be a holy nation that reflected the joy and love of their Lord has become a place of injustice and immoral living. It happened with the people of Israel and Judah, and it can easily happen with God's people today, his church. And so we should have the same heart for our people in our day. The same heart for the church. We are in a season of looking forward to our Lord's return. In speaking of his return, Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 8 that the Lord will deal justly with people and he will do so soon. And then he asks the question, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? In this season of waiting, we, God's people at St. Aidan's, should have the heart of Habakkuk, who cried out to God to see him move to correct his people. We should ask the same of God. To show us where we are in error and to correct us. To show us where perhaps we've spent all of our time longing the state of the world without looking at the state of the church. To show us how we might more fully live out the calling of Jesus to live as a light to all nations that shows forth his glory. How in our day and time, even during COVID, we might serve the widow and the orphan and the poor and those that need blessing. What does that look like in our day and time? Are we willing to even ask the question? Are we willing to ask the Lord to correct us when we get it wrong? You see, if that's our prayer, then I believe God will act on it. He will change us as we cry out to him. He will make us more faithful to him. He'll smooth out all those rough edges that we have, refining us to be his people in the world. Israel and Judah were called to live in such a way as to show the other nations of the world the greatness and glory of God. The church is called to do the same. But we will not do that if we are not praying that our church and all churches that claim the name of Jesus are purified to be more like our perfect, spotless Lord. We should be crying out to God that he would change our hearts so that when the Son of Man comes, he would find thriving faith on earth. If we pray that, If we pray that we and those around us will be changed by the Holy Spirit, while not every problem will go away, not every problem will be solved until Jesus himself comes again. Not every problem will go away, but people will see the church as an agent of good again. It will be like in the days of the Roman Empire when non-believers would look at Christians and say, see how they love one another. 
I have to confess that I do not believe that that's what people would say in our day and time. And in response to that, we should not be yelling at them, but asking the Lord to change our hearts, to make our love for him and for one another and for the world so apparent that it could never be ignored. That it would be so overwhelming that people would have to take notice of it. Habakkuk desired to see his people's sin dealt with. And it might sound harsh, but there is mercy in it. Because without our sin being dealt with, we will remain lost. But having our sins forgiven and atoned for in Christ, we are freed to live in his light and love just as we were called to. Well, we pray that for our church. That this Advent, we might be more like Jesus. It may not happen when or how we should think, but don't lose heart. God is moving and he is working. And as we seek him, as we interact with him in prayer, he will make us more and more into his perfect spotless bride as we await our risen Lord to return. That's the encouragement I want to leave us with this morning. That in the face of God's apparent silence or inaction, the truth is we can come to some bad conclusions. Like maybe he doesn't care. Or maybe he's not even there at all. Maybe God doesn't exist. God's apparent indifference to suffering and the reality of evil in the world is one of the main reasons cited by non-believers for their lack of faith. And so we can't ignore that. We shouldn't ignore it. Habakkuk didn't. He brought the very issue to God, and then God teaches him something powerful. And we want to hear it as well. It's this. Silence does not equal inaction. Silence does not equal inaction. Just because we can't see or hear or notice what God is doing doesn't mean that he isn't doing anything. After Habakkuk's prayer, the Lord responds with, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. You wouldn't believe it if you were told. good friend of mine likes to talk about how God works the other side of the street. He means that while we're focusing on our our little corner of the world, our little sphere of influence, what's in front of us, we don't notice what God has been doing in all kinds of other places that's going to completely change things. How many people do we know that we would have put in that category of There's no way they'll ever believe. But little do we know, the Lord's been working on them. And sure enough, down the road, there they are proclaiming Jesus. We can even see it on a global level. No one would have predicted that communist China would become a hotbed of gospel ministry. But sure enough, the underground church there is doing amazing things, even in the face of legitimate persecution. 
God is always doing something. He continues to work even when we can't see it. God's response to Habakkuk makes it clear. He does see. He does care. In fact, he is working in shocking ways. Ways that, as we'll talk about next week, Habakkuk actually doesn't really like. We know how that goes, don't we? But God's bigger than us, friends. He understands more and has good purposes that we can't even begin to imagine. And so the point is a relatively simple one. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart that we can't always see what God is doing. Don't lose heart that your grandchild isn't coming to church. The Lord could be bringing someone into their lives who will witness to them in powerful ways. Don't lose heart. Keep praying for them. Don't lose heart about the state of the church during COVID. Don't worry about what we're going to do and how we're going to minister to people and what's going to happen next week and the week after that. Don't lose heart. Pray for church leaders. Pray for our church. Pray for me. Pray for our clergy. Pray for faithful Christians beyond our walls. Pray for yourselves. Pray for wisdom. Pray that even in these days, we might know how to love people. We might know how to serve people. Jesus tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, and we should believe him. So don't lose heart. Pray. Pray for open doors for the gospel. Pray for opportunities to proclaim Jesus however we can. The Lord is at work, always and everywhere, even when we can't see it or understand it. I don't know how he's using COVID, but I believe he is. I don't like that it exists, but it does, and I still think the Lord's working in it. I absolutely do. And so we serve him in it. He works in ways we can never understand. After all, who in the time of Herod would have imagined that God would act to bring salvation and life by coming as a child? And not only that, but as a child born in a backwater town in a forgotten in an inconsequential part of the most powerful empire the world had ever seen. That's not how saviors come. That's not how kings come. They come in palaces. Not this one. Not the real one. No one would have predicted this. No one, well, other than the prophets who did predict it. The son sent, the father sent his son in a way that was incredibly powerful, and yet it was missed and unnoticed by the majority of the people alive at that time. Little did they know that the world had just completely changed. That this tiny baby boy would be the savior that Habakkuk and all the prophets had longed to see. God is at work, even if it is on the other side of the street. The season of Advent is one of longing and anticipation and waiting. As we wait, do not lose heart. 
Do not despair of the challenges we face and the suffering we see. Rather, take this season to cry out in faith for our Lord to come quickly. And in the meantime, as we wait, to strengthen and encourage his people, to bring us to his throne of grace where we can speak with our Lord, be molded and shaped by him to love and serve him and love and serve others each and every moment that he has given us. Let's pray. Father, as much as I really don't like waiting, I give you thanks for, for making us wait, for teaching us and shaping us in it. Father, I ask that you would use this season to help us to cry out to you, to seek you, not to lose heart, but to follow you faithfully, to know what it is to do that that we would seek your love and your guidance and your blessing and your wisdom in this season, that we might use all those things to proclaim the truth that Jesus has come once as the Savior, that he died once for all and he is risen, and that he will come again in power and glory. Come soon, Lord Jesus. And as we wait, strengthen your church to be your people in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.